quick word of warning, this episode discusses mental health and hospitalisation. If this raises any issue for you, please reach out to Lifeline, who can help talk you through it. The number is 131114 if you're in Australia, or if you're overseas, give the website a go, lifeline.org.au. Um, my name is Julia. I'm from Newcastle, and I was diagnosed with bipolar in 2007. It's been a journey ride ever since, with many admissions to hospital, both the public locked facilities and private facilities, and experiences through emergency departments, whether via ambulance or self-admitting. How many times do you think you've been in this situation? I'd probably say about five times and up. Julia is one of the nearly 300,000 people who present each year to hospital suffering an acute mental health emergency. It's quite a scary feeling when you're in the middle of an episode because you feel like you're drowning, you feel like you just haven't got control at all. But a lot of the time you don't have control. You do feel like you, you know, you want to be seen urgently. Julia says the safest place for her during one of these episodes is in hospital. So when one strikes, she goes straight to the emergency department. But for many people suffering an acute mental health crisis, urgent care is not what they receive. Instead, many mental health sufferers can spend hours, sometimes even days, in emergency departments until they are assessed by a psychiatrist. Experts call this an access block. This block is a result of a combination of factors like lack of beds, funding shortfalls, politics and even the social perceptions of an illness. But as patients, we tend to experience this as waiting. The state's hospitals are getting busier and waiting times are getting longer. Yeah, it's always a pain. No one likes waiting. Longer waiting times in emergency departments. It just makes you aggravated just sitting there waiting. We're actually slipping back. We're not going forward. This is Think Health, a show where we take an in-depth look at the health issues and challenges in Australian healthcare. My name is Shane Anderson. In this episode, we're going to take a close look at what's really going on when we're waiting to be seen in the emergency department. We're going to reframe the wait debate, challenge some of the assumptions about what a hospital is even for, and in doing so, ask why does the whole system suddenly crumble when it comes to mental health? So bipolar disorder is a chronic mental health condition characterised by sudden, strong changes in mood. These moods easily swing between extreme highs, 
called manic or hypermanic episodes, and extreme lows or depressive episodes. And it's not uncommon in Australia. The Black Dog Institute estimates 1.8% of us will experience bipolar at some time in their life. For many, it is an ongoing condition. And in Julia's case, it's the manic episodes that see her end up in hospital. When I go manic or high, like I'm really quite out of control. I'm not, I'm not functioning as a human being at all. It's like I'm so high wired that nothing is calming me down and I'm actually a detriment to myself. Julia says that during the manic episodes, she's not only a danger to herself, but the people around her too. She says she loses control and acts out. And the only way she can be brought down from these moods is in hospital. And then there's severe depression where you're very suicidal. And I've had a couple of attempts and I've been taken in by ambulance for those. How important do you think is it to, to have a place where you can go when you're in the grips of an episode? Very important. As much as I hate going into a locked facility and kicking and screaming and whatever else going into a locked facility, looking back now, I think it was the safest place for me to be, especially when I'm really, really manic. It is actually a really safe place to be. So on one hand, I hate being in there, but on the other hand now, it's actually a very safe place to be for me. Inpatient mental health wards or locked facilities are crucially important for bipolar sufferers like Julia, as well as sufferers of other mental illnesses. The problem is getting there. Most people acknowledge that wait times in emergency departments are a problem, but when it comes to mental health, the wait times are an enormous problem. Well, we've been talking about this issue of what we call access block and overcrowding for a long period of time. This is Simon Judkins, president of the Australasian College of Emergency Medicine, or ACEM. He's also a full-time emergency physician in Melbourne. People see this in the headlines. They see stories about ambulance ramping. They see headlines about overcrowded and stressed systems. But we feel that we've been talking about this for long enough that it seems to, you know, essentially be falling on a lot of deaf ears. And I don't think people really understand the impacts of what this means. What Simon's organisation want to talk about is the shocking length of time that mental health patients can wait to receive treatment. We were particularly concerned about patients coming to the emergency department with mental health issues because they are a particular group of patients that our clinicians recognised spent extraordinarily long periods of time in the EDs. And we were getting feedback from across the country of patients spending three, four, five, and in one case from over in Western Australia, six days in an emergency department cubicle. Six days? Six days. Why? Why is that? There was no bed for them to go to. The hospital system, the mental health inpatient system is full. And in order for somebody to move out of an emergency department into a bed, into an inpatient unit to get their care, there needs to be a bed in the system. And if there's no bed available, the only place for them to wait is in the ED. What what happens? What's going on in this time? So, of course, you can imagine the cycle. So if I brought you, for example, into my ED and said, I'm going to pop you in that cubicle in the corner, there'll be a curtain around you for privacy. I'll give you hospital food. You can use that shared bathroom, but you're not allowed to go outside without a security guard. And just live in that environment for six days, with or without 
a mental health problem with or without suicidal ideation or depression or anxiety by the end of six days you would be pretty unwell I think you'd be pretty emotionally fragile and you would probably have suffered for the experience add on top of that that mental those mental health issues and that vulnerability that mental health patients can have is we we know that that is destructive we know that that is worse than their outcome. A report by the ACM found that mental health presentations were only about three and a half to four and a half percent of the overall number of total presentations. However, they made up 30 percent of people who spent prolonged periods of time in emergency departments. Simon sees this all the time, and he says the outcome is usually the same. They become worse because they become more agitated, they become more upset. Often we see this a cycle of patients becoming agitated and sometimes they become verbally aggressive. And, I, and, and we all understand why that happens. We would all become upset in that situation as well. If these wait times have such a poor outcome for mental health, why can't people be seen quicker? Well, that's mental illness for you. <laughs> you always seem to be jumping through hurdles or coming up to sort of judgment, coming up towards stigma. But mental illness for you, you're just the low, lowest one down on the list. But there is another reason which might help explain why people wait so long to see a doctor, and it's embedded in the way our hospitals are structured. We're going to take a closer look at what this means after the break. Welcome back to Think Health. My name is Shane Anderson and this episode we are taking a closer look at what it means to wait in the emergency department. And to understand this problem of emergency room wait times, it's important to first get to grips with the way our health system is structured. Most people, when they're interacting with a healthcare environment and hospitals in particular, it's in a very challenging emotional state. This is Dr. Rhys Hinchcliffe, Senior Lecturer in the Centre for Health Services Management at the University of Technology, Sydney. He researches quality and safety in healthcare systems in Australia and Indonesia. Emergency departments really have a key spot within the deep psyche of most people in Australia. And this place in our psyche means we have a strong emotional connection to hospitals. But when it comes down to it, we don't know that much about them. The problem is you may have no patience and then get a bus accident. And this is Margaret Fry, Professor of Nursing at UTS and the Northern Sydney Health District. Margaret has 25 years of experience in ED. And between them, Margaret and Reese tell a different story about hospitals than the ones you hear on the news. One in which wait times don't really matter. When I first worked in the emergency department, the tertiary hospitals were seeing maybe just over 50,000 patients, and now we would see probably up to 75,000 patients. And that's just one hospital. Nationwide, we're looking at nearly 8 million presentations to ED each year. That's 8 million people hospital staff will receive, consult with and treat. In New South Wales, around 40% of these patients will end up being admitted, and the other 60% will go back to the community or an aged care facility. In real terms, this translates to an awful lot of work for the nurses who staff emergency departments. 
When we talk about poor wait times in hospitals, we need to think of it within this bigger context. Rather than pointing the finger at a particular hospital for not working hard enough to treat people quickly, wait times are really just one indicator of how well a hospital is performing. In Australia, we regulate how long a person can wait in ED. We call this the Emergency Treatment Performance Target, which means... All patients presenting to an emergency department should be seen, assessed and managed within four hours. This deadline of four hours, most hospitals fail to meet it. For example, in the first half of 2017, only 73% of patients were treated within four hours in New South Wales hospitals. The problem here is that this is a time-based performance measurement. It tells us that a bad hospital is a slow hospital. But Margaret says this isn't the case. So often for all performance targets within emergency department, the issue is time. But time doesn't always mean safety and time doesn't always mean quality. So why do we even have this seemingly arbitrary target? The four-hour target was the invention of the British Healthcare System, or NHS. This was around the time of the Blair government in the early 2000s. Originally, they wanted 100% of patients to be seen within four hours. And for the first few years, hospitals were getting pretty close to the mark. But something changed. The numbers started to plummet. And from roughly 2014 onwards, hospitals struggled to meet the target. What they really found was that number wasn't completely realistic. When researchers looked at the statistics, they noticed there was actually a spike in patients being seen 10 minutes before the four-hour cutoff. Reese says this wasn't happening by accident. People game the system. They might, as it's getting close to four hours, they might just take someone in, check them, even though they probably could wait a bit longer because they want to meet the target. Of course, there is a limit to this. It's all about getting that balance right. This balance is managed by a set of categories that determine how severe a patient's need is. There are five levels of severity, each with their own deadline as to how long a patient should wait. Everything from someone coming in, let's say with a broken nail, all the way up to someone who might have just had a stroke or a heart attack and needs immediate treatment. In practice, though, the number of people in each category at any ED varies. ED nurses see around 200 patients a day, but they're not evenly distributed across the board. They might receive three people. One might be having a heart attack, one might be having a stroke, one might be having abdominal pain, and they are physically stretched. Naturally, the more patients there are at the higher levels of severity, the longer people at the lower levels have to wait. And there is a spanner in the works here. People with chronic diseases, that is, long-term conditions associated with things like ageing, diabetes, they're in the lower categories of severity because they're not in the immediate way of harm like a heart attack patient might be. Yet, a recent study from the UK showed these are the people most likely to present to ED – They found most of the people showing up were suffering multiple long-term health problems and were generally from lower socioeconomic areas. And one of these chronic, ongoing problems is mental health. 
But Julia says there's an extra bit of stigma attached to mental health, which pushes it over the line when it comes to hospital wait times. You can tell they just don't have a lot of tolerance. Like, oh God, it's, you know, someone with bipolar or someone with a mental illness. It, you can tell it straight away. It's like, oh gosh, you know, here we go. I, I think everyone's got this preconceived perception of what mental illness is. Most people with mental illness are going to be difficult. When you factor in this stigma with understaffed mental health wards and overcrowded emergency departments, you end up with a perfect storm. And Julia says that on top of this, a lot of hospital staff don't properly understand mental illness, and this affects how people are treated while they're waiting. And Julia knows this because she's seen it firsthand. How long have you been a nurse for? Um, I've been a nurse on and off for 15 years. So what, did you have preconceived ideas of mental illness? Um, to be honest, I never even thought about mental illness. I, I seriously did not think about mental illness before I, I was diagnosed. Julia doesn't think that the nurses themselves are to blame for this attitude, but she thinks that the way bipolar is thought of in our society has a lot of influence over the way nurses treat patients. You're standing there handing over the new patients to the, the next staff. We always say what they've come in hospital with, what uh, their history is, what sort of medications they're on and a few other details. So the afternoon shift have a, an awareness about that person before they start. Julia says it's normal for the sheet to list things like hypertension, diabetes and so on. But if a mental illness is on the list, it's a whole different ballgame. When somebody comes in with bipolar particularly, the whole attitude changes a bit towards that patient. It's almost like they feel like they've got to spend more time with that person in case something happens and they're reluctant to have to manage that person in case an episode happens. What are you thinking when you hear that shift in tone? Well, I don't declare that I've got a mental illness. I get a bit upset I don't say anything, obviously. I just go along with it. Sometimes I'll go to that person and I'll actually say, if you need anything, I do have bipolar, and so if you need anything, then let me know, because sometimes other staff aren't quite as patient. Emergency departments aren't equipped to help people suffering from acute mental health emergencies, just as they weren't built to deal with chronic health problems like diabetes. And there is a huge gap in understanding between hospital staff who are mental health trained and those who aren't. So knowing all this, why would you even go to an emergency department in the first place? They can't actually get the care that they need elsewhere in the community. That's Simon again from the ACEM. He says this is a problem not just of emergency departments, but the whole healthcare system needs to change its approach. Ultimately, improving hospital wait times means relying less on time-based measurements like the four-hour target. And it also means improving healthcare services in the community. We feel part of the solution is not only to create more capacity with the inpatient unit so patients can actually get to an inpatient bed when they need it, but also... We also advocate that prevention is better than cure. So we also strongly advocate there needs to be much better systems within the community to actually keep patients safe and keep them out of hospital in the first place. We need to rethink waiting and see it as a symptom of greater problems in our healthcare system that need to be fixed. 
and in doing so, we can better address the needs of everybody who needs help. Rhys Hinchcliffe again. Now what we need is more focus on how we can gather groups of healthcare professionals in multidisciplinary teams that are out in the community. You've been listening to Think Health. This show is supported by the University of Technology Sydney and 2SER and is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Thank you to Julia, Simon, Reese, and Margaret for your help with this episode. You heard music by Blue Dot Sessions, Komiku and Lee Rosevere. I'm Shane Anderson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>